Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ted McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we've got another case study Sunday. And this is a good one for the first podcast of 2023. Now, we recently had an investor on our December webinar, and she was very concerned about a property that she had just purchased. And she said to us, I'm freaking out now. I've purchased this property. Is it going to be a complete disaster? Is it going to be a money pit? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today because, Andrew, you actually met her. Now, walk us through her situation. Okay, so the situation, it's an interesting one. So she bought through Propeller Property Investments. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're well, I thought you hated Propeller well, Property that's Investments. that's certainly what the newspaper made out. I don't hate Nikki Connors. I don't hate Propeller Property Investment. I think they've done a wonderful job over a number of years in bringing property investment to a number of people around the country who might not have considered otherwise. The reason we got some press a wee while ago is because Ed and I, on the Property Academy podcast, called Nikki's numbers out. And it wasn't that, again, we've got any problem with them as a business, but we do have a problem with the way they presented some numbers and they didn't want to talk to us about it. So we talked about it to you guys. Anyway, I was hesitant going through this because I didn't want it to be seen that we're going to bag them, but we're not at all. As it happened, this investor just needed the same reassurance that lots of investors that work with us, that lots of investors that do this themselves, lots of investors out there need at the moment because prices are taking a bit of a pounding and the interest rates are high. So it feels a lot scarier. So I caught up with this investor and we talked through it. So I thought we'll do this as a case study. And we'll talk about some of the learnings from the experience, some of the things that I might have done differently, some of the things that I think were perfect. So let's start with what were her, and her name was Poppy, what were Poppy's main concerns with this property? So Poppy's concerns were, hey, the cash flow is way worse than I imagined. The rent is five fifty a week. It's less than what I was expecting. And there were some concerns around the tenants. And the biggest thing was we've borrowed 100%. Our interest rate is huge compared to what we were budgeting on when we signed up, let's say, 12 months ago. I can't remember how long it was, 12 or 18 months ago. But what she'd bought, she'd bought a two-bedroom apartment in Auckland. So it was outside of central Auckland. So It was in South Auckland. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. Two-bedroom apartment. It was quite a big apartment as well. I think it was 80 square metres from memory. Oh, that is quite big for a two-bed. Decent size. The body corporate fees were pretty reasonable. The rates were pretty reasonable. The property was furnished because that's often a propeller model, have furniture in there to get that rent up. So there was about an extra $18,000 worth of setup costs than perhaps what some people might have because if you're just using a, a lawyer to settle it, it might be $4,000, but there was $18,000 worth of costs, including a $15,000 furniture pack, rent of five fifty dollars a week. And when we look at the cash flows, here's the problem. Based on a 6.5% interest rate, for the next 12 months and a 7% interest rate for the next 12 months, which is what we use, the contributions are high. They're like 25 to 30 grand a year, 30 grand a year next year. So $600 a week is what this property investor is going to have to top up that property investment bank account by to keep the numbers running. And their, their on incomes between 150 and 200 grand per year as a household. So somewhere within that, that range. So quite a big chunk of pre-tax income because, you know, that'd be $50,000, like a, a third of their income. So I can understand the concern, particularly because they've got their own personal mortgage and they're still a wee way off retirement, but they're diligently using all their money to pay down their personal mortgage, plus normal expenses with a, of a household going up at the moment. So what we did was we sat down and we actually digested the numbers and figured out 
how do we hold on to this property? Because I don't think it would be the right thing to go and sell that right away. And one of the conversations I, I had with Poppy and I'm having with lots of investors at the moment is you bought this property for the long term. Has the long term occurred yet? The answer is no. Has there been some changes to the market? Absolutely. But we need to be able to weather the storm or else you're going to lose money, worst case scenario, or you're going to break even, best case scenario, and you're still going to need to fill that wealth gap. And so, of course, what we did is I ran it through my return on investment calculator. The return on investment worked out to be 173%, and the average top-up is $200 a week for 10 years. All good on an average top-up, but again, very top-heavy. Like everyone, not just this property, like everyone, the next three years are going to be pretty hard. So what we did is we went through the actual property tab in our ROI calculator, which you can download from our website, and we used the tool down the bottom called Revolving Credit. And we had a discussion, well, what's an affordable amount? Now they said, look, we could probably afford $300 a week. That's not going to cause us to go backwards. We can find $300 a week, which is 15 grand a year. I know what you're thinking, Ed, but that's only half of the contribution. So then what we said is, what you could do is you could set up a $30,000 revolving credit that will be at zero to begin with, and you'll put your $300 a week into that. Now, that means after the year one, you're going to use your $15,000 and $15,000 out of the revolving credit, and you're going to be in debit. Year two, the same thing's going to happen. But year three, you're actually going to have enough money to cover yours and then build up a bit of a buffer back. So based on this modeling, and it was rough numbers, by year eight, that revolving credit's paid off, and by year 13, the property's positively geared. Now, at that stage, they're getting closer to retirement, so the property's paying for itself at that stage, so they can hold it five, 10 years into retirement, however long they need to, but also they can just have those standard contributions over that period of time where you've got a higher interest rate. Does that make sense, Ed? Absolutely. And one question that I've got is, how did you figure out that this wasn't a bad property? Well, I mean, part of it is if you, once you've got the property, it's kind of too late to compare that to something else. This isn't necessarily the property that I would recommend for them. Now, these guys have got, let's call it 15 years to retirement, 15 to 20 years to retirement. If you've got 15 years, 20 years to retirement, and this is property number one, what would I recommend for you, Ed? Either a standalone house in Rolleston slash Kayapoy or a two-bedroom townhouse in Christchurch or Auckland. A, a growth property, right? We're looking for as much growth as possible. So I did do a comparison so that we could have a look at what that might be that they look at next time. This is a yield product. This is a property that's going to go up at a lower capital growth rate than a house or a townhouse because it's the nature of apartments. But the yield isn't that high, so it doesn't warrant getting a lower growth rate. So that's the only problem I had with this particular property. The yield even though it's furnished as $550 a week, it's the same yield as a house or a townhouse with no furniture in. Now, I didn't budget for replacing that furniture because I think when that wears out in a few years' time, I'd just get rid of it. If it's not improving the amount of rent you're going to get, I'd just get rid of it. The other challenge is you can sometimes attract a worse tenant or a more transient tenant, so that's why I think it's important. Now, Ed... Wait a second, I've rent a furnished place. I suppose that's probably evidence for your point. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me, Ed, why do we use a lower capital growth rate for apartments? Because I know that historically some other companies have used the same capital growth rate, maybe they might use 6.5% growth rate, 
growth rate for an apartment as they will a townhouse, which is just not true, right? When you look at the log run data, especially I'm looking at Auckland in front of me right at this minute, and I say, well, what has the average capital growth rate been for a house or a townhouse? So how fast have houses and townhouses gone up in value? How fast have apartments gone up in value? And then what I always like to do is I like to average it over, say, a seven or a 10-year period because that's how long people hold their properties for. So if you're holding a property over the long term, are you going to be better off buying a house and a townhouse if you're primarily concerned about capital growth or are you better off buying an apartment? And Andrew, you can see these two lines in front of me. I've got apartments and I've got houses and townhouses. Which one's getting more capital growth? Houses and townhouses significantly. Hugely. I'll give you an example. In the 10 years to June 2014, apartments in Auckland went up by 1.6% a year on average for the prior 10 years. Just 1.6%. Now, if I look at houses and townhouses, what do I see? I see 5.9%. Well, I'd be pretty happy with 5.9%. I wouldn't be happy with 1.6%. Now, that's the same period. We're looking at the same time frame, but we've got massive differences between how fast apartments are increasing in value and how fast townhouses and houses are increasing in value. It's night and day. And the other thing that just to point out about these two property types is that when times are tough, apartments don't go up in value very quickly. Houses and townhouses still can. But during some of the last property downturn, apartments just went the wrong way too far or they just stagnated for too long. And the issue behind that is that there are some times where the difference between houses and townhouses have not been that great, has you know not that much of a difference, maybe half a percent, maybe one percent. But there are other times where apartments have done very poorly, and we're talking about a townhouse or a house doing four percentage points better over a 10-year period, in which case you just say, look at six and a half percent for an apartment. Oh, you're off your head, mate. That's just not going to happen over the long term. But we wouldn't even use a 6.5% for a house or a townhouse. And look, this is where, uh, while I think in Poppy's example, I said to Poppy, good on you for actually getting started. And this is where, again, I've got no problem with Propeller helping people into properties. I want the world to know how good property can be to filling your wealth gap. And it's great that she's got something. And, And I didn't go through the full financial analysis with Poppy. I was just looking at the cash flow. But maybe her budget only allowed her to get into an apartment, so that could be a consideration. If it was someone that I was working with prior to this, I probably would have recommended a townhouse also in Auckland. Now, just to put that into perspective, the contribution is slightly more than $201 on average. It works out to be $211 on average, but it's for one year less. It's for nine years rather than 10 years. So it actually works out to be over the period of negative cash flow about $7,000 less having the townhouse, but you're borrowing more to get into it. So it's cost you more in the short term, not much more. I think $10 they would have been okay with. But just to put into perspective what the growth difference is, the apartment growth inflation adjusted in 15 years is $460,000. The townhouse is $762,000. So quite a lot more wealth in 15 years' time. That's why the growth property would be more what I would direct someone to when they're starting out, particularly if it's their first investment. But again, I think this is a good reminder that everyone is nervous at the moment about cash flow. We have to be able to weather the storm. If you can't, you absolutely should get out of a property. But if you can, your future self, your 15-year-older self, We'll thank you that you held on to it.
That is such great motivation for the start of the year heading into 2023. Right, let's wrap it up there. But don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if 2023 is your year to get started investing in property, might be the right time to come in for that portfolio planning session. That's where you're either going to work with Andrew or somebody who Andrew has trained to work on your financial situation and get started investing or growing your portfolio. Easy way to sign up for that free service. Whip out your phone, text the word PLAN to 5522. We'll give you a buzz when we're back at the office. See if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.